0: This is Echo Zoe Radio, episode 169 for May 2022 with Jean Clyatt on the English Reformation under Elizabeth I.
1: Welcome to Echo Zoe Radio, the podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries, where you'll hear about important topics affecting the church today. Our primary goal is to explore a variety of issues while remaining faithful to God and His Word. Stay with us for the next hour as your host, Andy Olson, shares his conversation with this month's guest. Here's your host, Andy Olson.
0: I'm Andy Olson. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. This is episode 169. Or May 2022. Gene Clyatt returns for a second installment of the English Reformation History. Gene was first on with me in August of last year, where he talked about the early days of the English Reformation under Henry VIII and Bishop Thomas Cranmer. In this episode, Gene reviews a little bit of that at the beginning, and then he talks about England under Queen Elizabeth I. The first episode that we did was pretty fascinating, so if you didn't hear it, now would be a great time to pause this show and go listen to that one, which you can find at echozoe.com slash 160. This episode should, should be on Rumble if you wish to watch the video. It's also on the Locals page in both audio and video formats. If you're seeing it on YouTube, come on over and subscribe to Echozoe on Rumble too. Video will continue to go on YouTube, but I'm putting more emphasis on Rumble just to stay ahead of big tech censorship. Also, in regards to social media, you can find Echo Zoe on Twitter, Truth Social, Gab, Parler, Getter, and Telegram. And also, you can find an up-to-date list of all these various websites, all these social media sites. And then if any are added, any new ones come along, those you can also find uh, when appropriate at echozoe.com slash linktree. Just a reminder, the film Jerusalem's King is up at the Locals page. Come join us at Locals use the promo code in the pinned comment to come peek behind the paywall where you can watch the film. I'm still quite proud of my involvement in the production of Jerusalem's King, even though that involvement is pretty limited, and I highly recommend seeing it. You can do so completely free by using that promo code and watching it at echozoe.locals.com. Finally, I want to remind everyone about the Christian podcast community. Zoe is just one of many excellent biblically faithful podcasts that you'll find at the Christian Podcast Community. There are a lot. In fact, our guest this month, Gene Klyat, is one of them. Gene does a show called Squirrel Chatter, which he reads from the Book of Common Prayer and various scriptures. Then he also talks about a general topic of the day. You can find an entire list of all the podcasts available at christianpodcastcommunity.org. You can also subscribe to the shows you want to hear directly uh, on individual feeds or subscribe to a community feed and get all of the shows from the entire community in one big feed. show notes for this episode are available at com slash 169 that's where you'll find an outline of our discussion today as well as a few additional resources with that here's my discussion with gene gene
2: uh it's a pleasure to have
0: you back for uh it's your second episode here yeah it's good to Equazoe be back Radio. And uh, I don't know if you heard the end of the year episode, but yours was, the f- was Andrew Rappaport's favorite episode. I did hear that, and that put a lot of pressure on me for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, no pressure in- intended here. I got to tell you a funny story about Andrew.
3: We were down at Shepherds Conference, and we're sitting, sitting at a table having coffee and snacks between sessions. And my wife sent me a picture of Darby the Hamster. Because she's home taking care of the hamster while I'm down there, uh-huh. so I'm passing the the picture around and we're all laughing at my hamster and everything. And all of a sudden, Andrew goes, "Wait a minute! There's really a hamster? I thought it was just a joke." Because <laughs> <laughs> my sh- my podcast ends with <laughs> "Squirrel Chatter" was recorded in front of a live studio hamster.
0: <laughs> yeah. well, Darby the hamster That's where that actually. comes from, huh? Darby the hamster is right yeah. here. He's yeah. right beside me. are you darby this was like darby the fourth or this is darby the fifth fifth okay
3: darby the hamster the fifth of her name long may she scurry darby the fourth died about a month after i got back so she died into march early april so we've just had
0: darby five here for uh six weeks maybe okay (laughs) and how how long does a typical hamster live typically two to three years two to yeah three they, years. They,
3: they don't live long which is really sad i i would love a, a hamster to live longer
0: yeah my uh, uh my third son has one upstairs and it's had it for yeah i don't know if he's coming up on a year now that thing's yeah. gotta be almost middle-aged yeah do you have a is that a full-size hamster or one of the dwarf ham- it's uh he named it robbie after some breed that is rob something rob rob Robo Oh robo hamsters, yeah. So it's a little one? It's a little one,
3: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Robos are Robos are sweet. Darby Darby the Fourth was a was a robo hamster. Okay. But they are the they are the longest lived of the dwarf hamsters. Oh. They maybe. are also the fastest dwarf hamsters. And they are the least domesticated dwarf hamsters. Oh. Because they've only been around for maybe as as pets for about ten years. Oh really? So they're, they're not a long history of domestication. Okay. So it takes, a, it takes a lot of work to tame one. Okay. And they were, when we brought uh, Darby four home, she spent the first 20 minutes in our house behind the bookcase. <laughs> okay. I was trying to pick her up out of the carrier and put her in her cage and she took off.
0: Oh, so. well, I tried to do when I was a kid and had a hamster, we had the, ball you'd stick them in and then they can run around the house. Yeah, I got one of those. Too. And my son watches way too many YouTube videos for people who are like big hamster rights activists and stuff. So he's like, "No, I, we can't get one cuz their little toes get stuck in the holes or oh, something." And, yeah. and then that's bad. That can happen, like, but I I've, I've had I've had hamsters running
3: around in the hamster balls. Once he
0: it. hears from his YouTubers like what, you know, the proper thing to do with hamsters, that's the way it's going to be. How old is he? He's uh ten. He'll be eleven in August. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Pretty impressionable at that age. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. So last time we talked about the early English Reformation and you know, the beginnings of the English Reformation. We
3: covered a lot last time. Yes. Yeah. We we started uh, we started with the background and looked at the War of the Roses mm-hmm. and why Henry the Eighth would need an heir. Yep. Then we looked at the reign of Henry VIII and Henry's break with Rome,
2: to because he wanted to divorce Catherine of Aragon and Mary Anne Boleyn, and uh, all of that, um, and that was what started the English Reformation. So of course Henry's reasons were purely political or and or personal. Um, he wasn't a theological Protestant, but his Archbishop of uh uh Archbishop of uh Cranmer,
3: yeah Archbishop Thomas Cranmer, who is the Archbishop of Canterbury,
4: mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: remember the head of the the Church of England or the the head prelate of the Church of England,
2: and uh, he was reformed, and so he was working to reform the church yep and then and, but he wasn't
3: able to do a lot when Henry was alive because Henry was very much yeah. You know, He did, he was, Henry was, wanted to be a popeless Catholic. He wanted the Catholic church, the Catholic religion, just without having to deal with the Pope. Mm -hmm. So that was his whole thing. So, you know, that all goes through. And, you know, we're, we're looking at the history of Protestantism. I'm not having trouble.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Protestantism. Protestantism
3: yep. huh, in England. And that means we're looking at the royal family. We're looking uh, just to,
0: at. I don't mean to interrupt, but I was yeah. going to point out if anyone's listening to this one, didn't hear the, that one, it's echozoe.com slash 160. It was episode 160. i will take you right
3: to it. What number is this one?
0: This is 169. 169. Oh, yeah. Yep. And the Ooh. first one of the 15th year of Echo Zoe Radio. Oh, congratulations. So.
2: Congratulations. Yeah. So you know Henry reigns for 37 years actually almost 38 years as king and he dies at the age of 55 when I mean, he was only 17 when he became king. And he kind of left a mess. Yeah. Because he left a 9-year-old son as heir.
0: That was and he left,
2: that was Edward the Sixth. And he had two daughters who were older than Edward from his first two marriages.
3: One from from uh, Catherine of Aragon, that would be Mary, and then Elizabeth from Anne Boleyn. So he's got two daughters, one of whose mom he divorced, and the others whose mom he had executed.
2: And then he has his prized son, Edward. Well, then Edward goes and dies young. Edward
3: died at the age of 15 after being king for only six and a half years. Hmm. So he was a, a kid. While he was a kid, England was governed by a, a council that was made up of people that, that Henry hadn't named. And it, they were 16 men. They were all Protestant.
2: And that included Thomas Cranmer, the Archbishop of Canterbury. And so it was during those 6 years that Cranmer really pushed the English church into
3: Protestantism because they'd been you know basically you know skirting the line with it when Henry was alive he was doing what he was able to but he couldn't do a lot but during those 6 years when when Edward was king that's when he advanced that's when he started changing the liturgy that's when he came out with the Book of Common Prayer in English. That was when he, you know, wrote his book of homilies, which were, because you had all these Catholic priests who are now head of Protestant churches, and he basically wrote a book of sermons and sent them out. You know, here, read these. Instead, you know, don't write your own sermons. Just go read these. <laughs> um, and that was because he was trying to get Protestant theology out to the people. Mm-hmm. But when Edward dies at age nine, at age 15 he had named Lady Jane Grey as his heir who was a Protestant who was 16 years old and she was she, we call her the nine days queen
0: well he so he's naming an heir at such a young age was he sick and like knew he was at that store or? well
3: yeah he he had been fairly very healthy all of his life but then when he was 15 he got really sick they, they guess it was probably tuberculosis, okay, just judging from the symptoms that you know the chroniclers wrote down, mm-hmm. of course they had no no germ theory, no tests or anything for for any of that, so they they had
0: leeches
4: was,
3: yeah they they had <laughs> leeches and bleedings and stuff um so we don't know what it was we you know we're we're guessing that it was probably tuberculosis, just looking at uh, the symptoms that we have available to us that were written down
2: so he spent the last you know tuberculosis isn't fast he spent several months basically bedridden in bad health knew that he was was not going to make it or not likely to make it and so he actually hand wrote a
3: document of secession, okay, which was then witnessed by, like, his doctor or somebody who was in the room, and they took that to Parliament. Okay. And Parliament okayed it. And what it did is it gave the throne to his Protestant cousin, who was um, Jane Grey, who was, like I said, she was 15 or 16 years old at the time. And so she's named queen in in London, Uh and everybody's scratching their heads. Who is this girl? Why is she queen?
2: Meanwhile, Mary Tudor, who was the Roman Catholic daughter of Henry VIII by uh, Catherine of
3: Aragon, who, you know, Henry had divorced her mother. Henry had forced her to stand before Parliament at the age of, like, 12 or 14 and tell Parliament that she was illegitimate (laughs) okay, and renounce her right to the throne. You know, this is a very angry young lady. Mm -hmm. I say young lady, she becomes Queen of England at the age of 37. So she has lived her entire life from the time she was, like, 10 years old i think she was about 10 or 11 when henry divorced her mom she's
2: lived you know 27 of her 37 years in you know kind of angry resentment
3: and and you know was out of favor for most of that time Um, she and her father did have some sort of reconciliation shortly before he died but you know she wasn't at court she wasn't you know, she she was significantly older than both Anne Boleyn and Edward. So she wasn't raised with them. Mm-hmm. You know, she was already up and out. You know, they were kind of raised together because, uh, you know, um,
2: but she wasn't. So she wasn't part of that. And she was very much um, a Roman Catholic. So she comes to power. She marries Prince Philip of Spain. Who is a Roman Catholic? He's also uh, he would
3: he would become uh, in 1556. Just a couple of years later, she she became queen in 1553. 1556 she or 5054, she marries Prince Philip, who becomes King of Spain in 1556. So Mary is now Queen of England and Spain. Oh
4: wow! Okay,
3: and Philip is King of England he's married to the queen. He wasn't prince consort. He was given the title king. Oh wow. Yeah. And and was kind of co-ruler. Although he spent most of his time in Spain. He wasn't in England. He was like 11, 12 years younger than she was. Oh. You know, so I mean, she's 37. Mm-hmm. He spent a lot of time in Spain. It was a political marriage. Mm-hmm. You know.
2: Um but uh she thought, you know, a couple of times she thought she was pregnant but she never was pregnant
3: she ended up dying of what is believed to either be stomach cancer or ovarian cancer mm-hmm. which caused a swelling of the stomach and everything. everybody thought she was pregnant twice
2: mm. um and so you know she dies she only reigned five and a half years but during those five and a
3: half years she tried to undo all the protestant reforms that her
2: her dad had done, and she ends up killing three hundred people, you know, including Thomas Cranmer, you know,
3: Latimer and Ridley. You know, there's several of the bishops who were head of the English
0: Church. And this was—I uh, I was just going over the show notes from last episode. Yeah, this was the White Horse In Group.
3: Yeah, the White Horse In Group was a lot of the people that had led the the Reformation in in uh, in England. Well, she had many. She had three hundred people burned at the stake. And Fox's Book of Martyr, Fox's Book of Martyrs, is really about that. Okay, you know, um, that was the Marian martyrs, the the people that that Mary had executed. This is the reason why Protestants gave her the nickname Bloody Mary, because she had all these people killed. And I uh, say Fox's Book of Martyr lists three hundred twelve individuals who were burnt at the stake. Or hanged or died in prison under Mary, and hundreds more fled to the continent. Uh, more about them in a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but she was there for for five and a half years. And then she died in uh, November of fifteen fifty eight, and Elizabeth, her younger sister, becomes
2: Queen of England at the age of twenty five. Um, so she's another. She's a young monarch when she comes to the throne. Now. Because she cannot make any changes until
3: she's crowned, Elizabeth's coronation is a Roman Catholic ceremony. Oh. Okay. Because of her older sister returning the country to Catholicism. Her... her she's the Pope was given, Catholic, right? Yeah. She's a, no, her older so they, sister was, was very much a Pope papist. Okay. So she brought yeah, back... Yeah, she was a Roman a, Catholic. Yes, absolutely.
2: Okay. And so... Elizabeth's coronation is a Roman Catholic ceremony, but she leaves the room during the mass.
3: She just gets up and leaves, goes and changes and gets ready for the ball that evening. Okay. (laughs) And then she starts overdo, undoing all this stuff. Um, She wished, but she wished to end the religious strike. She didn't
2: want to be hostile to Catholicism. like her. Brother Edward had been, and she didn't want to be, you know, hostile to Catholicism
3: like Mary had been towards Protestantism. She was more recon- reconciliatory. Mm-hmm. She wanted to have, she wanted to smooth the waters. She wanted to have, you know, kind of get rid of the the tension, get the peace coming back. She was a Protestant, but she didn't want to be the Protestant queen. She wanted to be the queen who was Protestant. Yeah. You know, and uh, so she was trying really to, to be more political and less theological, kind of like her father, Henry. But at the same time, she herself
2: was Protestant. As a Henry kind of wanted nothing to do with the Pope while remaining Catholic, she didn't want the harsh theology. In her protestantism
3: so this is really the start of the the anglican middle road okay. middle path idea
4: mm-hmm.
3: that they're not hardline protestant but they're not roman catholic this is it kind of starts with elizabeth yeah. because she did she was trying to promote peace She she didn't want all this fighting and everything so she of course issues a prayer book to replace, because Mary had gotten rid of the 1552 prayer book that, that Cranmer had written. So in 1559, Elizabeth issues her own prayer book.
2: And it was revised to be less dogmatically Protestant. For example, I just copied a couple of passages here. In the 1552
3: communion ceremony, it reads this way. And it's got a instructions for the minister, and it calls him a minister, okay? So, and when he delivereth the bread, he shall say, Take and eat this, in remembrance that Christ died for thee, and feed on him in
2: thy heart by faith with thanksgiving. The 1559 communion says this, And when he delivereth
3: the bread, he shall say, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was given for thee, preserve thy body and soul and everlasting life, and take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for thee. Feed on him in thine heart by faith with thanksgiving.
2: So she left the door open for transubstantiationism. Mm-hmm. She, you know, the, before, it
3: was like, this is in remembrance of. Mm-hmm. So, But th- her... Ceremony was very much it left that door open for transubstantiationism. The other thing that she did, it 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 hints at sacramentalism. Did you catch that? A little bit. Where it says, yeah. "Preserve thy body and soul for everlasting life." It it kind of gives the hint that there's something meritorious about taking communion. Mm-hmm. That's that's sacramentalism. Yep. So she kind of didn't entirely go back to a Roman Catholic mass. And in fact, her prayer book forbids the holding up of the host. You know, like the the Catholics do. So there wasn't a, you know, transubstantiation in the ceremony, but the door's still
2: left open that, you know, there's something here. She did not outlaw being Roman Catholic. But she did return the Church of England officially to Protestantism, but a less reformed Protestantism. Now, one of the reasons has to be John Knox.
3: And this is kind of sad because in a lot of ways, John
2: Knox is a hugely admirable guy. John Knox, he had led to the
3: continent when he was a he was a actually a, he was Scottish but he was an anglican priest under Cranmer okay so he had, he was in england and he was part of the english reformation under cranmer well when mary became queen and protestantism was
2: outlawed he's one of the guys that fled to geneva and he actually became friends with calvin well He wrote a book or a pamphlet, really. Listen to this title. You'll love this. The first blast of the
3: trumpet against the monstrous regimen of women. Okay.
2: Okay. Monstrous meant unnatural. Regimen was a rule, meant rule, Mm -hmm. rulership
3: of women, the unnatural rulership of women. He's
0: taking, aim at he's, take,
3: he's taking aim at Mary. He's
4: taking
3: aim at Mary, who was a
0: Catholic Queen of England. Was there a taking, little bit of uh, the the intermediate one? Is it Jane Grey? No, he's not taking. Uh, he's not shooting at Jane Grey. Remember, Jane
3: Grey is already dead. Mary had her executed. For sure, but right, she's not
2: his target. He had specific targets in mind. He had three okay. women in mind: Mary Tudor, yep. Queen of England. Mary Queen of Scots, who was also Queen of France. She was
3: she was ruler of Scotland and she was married to the King of France. And Mary's mother, who was also named Mary, and she was Mary Queen of Scots Regent in Scotland while Mary was in France. Okay. okay.
2: This is the target of her these are all roman catholic women rulers This was the target Now uh
3: Mary of Guise is the dowager queen of Scotland who is the regent on
2: behalf of her daughter So he presents his case against female rulers It's a blanket case against female rulers Women should not be rule have rule you
4: know Mm -hmm.
2: and he publishes this just months before mary dies and elizabeth comes to the throne
3: so this is very brand new with this new incoming queen Mm -hmm. who is now ruling england who's a protestant who should be allied with John Knox, but she's very offended by this. She never forgives him. He's going to die in a few years, but she never forgives him. And this effectively cut Elizabeth off
2: from the more theological stream of Protestantism. Did I say her Protestantism was more political?
4: Mm -hmm.
2: We don't know what she really believed. You know, I, I have a hard
3: time, you know, understanding because she didn't talk about it.
2: And some of the things like in her personal chapel, she had a crucifix. You know, not a cross, she had a crucifix. Um, She had her liturgy in her private chapel was in Latin,
3: but it wasn't the mass. She forbade the minister from lifting up the host and all of that. Sure. So she she had a, she's an
2: interesting blend of beliefs and stuff. So. And, and I guess that kind of brings us to Mary Queen of Scots. We got to talk about her too. Because um, she plays, a, she's pretty important throughout Elizabeth's reign. Okay. Now, Mary, Queen of Scots, was Elizabeth's cousin. She was the granddaughter of Henry's sister. She's a Roman Catholic. Yeah. And I said she's the widow of
3: Francis II of France. He died in 1560. And she was Queen of, Queen of France for a while. And then after
2: she was widowed, she returned to Scotland and took over the throne and was ruling Scotland in 1566 so she's been a widow for 10 years or for 6 years in 1566 she marries Henry Henry Stuart Lord Darnley now Darnley now here's here's a soap opera warning and and I should say
3: this that we're dealing with the royal family of England, we're dealing with kings, queens, dukes, earls, lords, etc, most of whom are related to one another because royals nobles marry nobles, you mm-hmm. know then they're not only married to each other throughout England or related to each other throughout England, they're also related to most of the crowned heads of Europe, because political alliances you trade daughters back and forth, my daughter'll marry your son, we'll be friends now, kind of thing happened all the time just kind of as a diplomatic way. And in a lot of ways the trials and tribulations of royals is less believable than the plots of most soap operas. <laughs> but it's absolutely true. Yeah. And and so I got a soap opera warning here. This is the the soap opera warning involving Mary Queen of Scots. Okay. So Mary's
2: married to Lord Darnley. His last name is Stewart, Henry Stewart. Darnley is murdered. Okay. Now, Mary was pregnant, and Darnley was suspicious
3: that her child's real father was actually her
2: secretary, a guy by the name of David Rizzio. So Darnley personally murders Rizzio in front of Mary.
4: Wow. Okay. Okay.
2: I think this guy is your lover. I'm going to kill him in front of you while she's pregnant. So Mary has Darnley killed. Not directly. She plots with some people to have him bumped up.
3: And then, she makes plans to marry the man who's suspected of having of killing Darnley. Okay, I said so it's, it's you know it, this is this is all pure soap opera stuff,
0: right? Now meanwhile, it's just kind of like would right. cause you to wonder if he's not the real father that, yeah. that Darnley didn't suspect the wrong guy.
3: Yeah, it, and and that's interesting, but the. The child has been born and the child's name is James. James okay. is going to become King James. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be King James the 6th of Scotland and King James the 1st of England. Same guy.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the the son of Mary Queen of Scots. Well, after Darnley is killed
3: 26 Scottish peers of the realm raise an army and capture mary and force her to abdicate the throne in favor of her 13-month-old son james so at the age of 13 months james becomes james VI of scotland okay all right so and that's in uh uh 1568 and then mary queen of scots flees to england because she escapes they they want to try her for murder in Scotland. They want to try her for the murder of Donnelly. Okay, and, and I think everybody forgets that Donnelly killed this other guy right in front
0: of her. You know, sure. but but they want to try. But it says something about where their legal system was that even the Queen is not going to right get away with murder. That was one of the reasons why they made her abdicate, because if she wasn't
2: Queen, they'd be able to try her. Okay. Um,
3: and one of the concepts that's that's starting to rise up at this point in time is this divine right of kings, mm-hmm. this absolute divine right of kings. It's really starting to come into play at this time. And you go back; I mean, beforehand, you know, kings were kind of like first among equals among all the the peers of the realm. Sure. You now this is why. You know, the barons had no problem revolting against King John and making him sign the Magna Carta. You know, wait a minute, you're not an absolute ruler. Mm -hmm. You're, you know, well now this whole idea of absolute rule and the divine right of kings
2: is really starting to come into play. This is a growing concept. And uh, so they don't want to kill Mary. Because, while she's queen, because that would be
3: wrong. So they want her to step down as queen so they can try her for murder. Well, she escapes to England, and she asks Elizabeth to help her retake her throne in Scotland. And Elizabeth says, why don't you come over here to this castle and stay in this locked room for a while? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so she has Mary locked up in England. She doesn't want her to send her back to Scotland because she doesn't want to see a queen executed because she doesn't like the idea that you can execute queens being a queen herself. Sure. You don't want to give anybody any ideas, right? right. <laughs> Understandable. But she doesn't want to send Mary to France because Mary is her closest relative. Remember, Elizabeth is unmarried. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth
2: has no children elizabeth has no heir technically mary is her heir okay so
3: she doesn't want to send her to catholic france where she used to be queen where she could gather support for restoring a catholic monarchy to england Mm -hmm. so this is all going on now so mary's a rallying point for the english roman catholics so Elizabeth wants to to lock her up. And the fact that that Mary is this catalyst for the Roman Catholics and the center of Roman Catholic desires to return England to Rome. She's the focal point of all sorts of papist plots to overthrow Mary. Now Mary's had about 10 years of Peace or not, Mary Elizabeth overthrow uh-huh. Elizabeth. Elizabeth has had about ten
2: years of peace. She's you know been queen for for ten years. She's been working towards um you know this kind of
3: reconciliation thing. She hasn't been arresting Catholics and throwing them in jail. She
2: hasn't been killing priests. She hasn't been doing any of that. Right. But she had an, inte- an excellent intelligence network. She had a guy, a spymaster,
3: Sir Francis Walsingham. Walsingham basically invented modern espionage. Okay. This is, I mean, when you think of everything that the CIA and MI6 does and everything the OSS did in World War II nope. and how spy networks are run, nope. this is the guy who invented all this stuff. <laughs> okay. He is a Protestant. He's a committed Protestant. And he becomes Elizabeth's first secretary. He's like her chief advisor, and he is her spymaster. And there's there's like three or four guys that are real close to Elizabeth and are advising her
2: on her reign, and this guy's one of them. And, and he is the spymaster. Well, he was, I said, he was a Protestant, and he had fled Egypt, or fled Egypt, fled England, <laughs> fled
3: Egypt. Yeah, let's just bring in another nation. Now he's Moses of huh? the world. Yeah, he had fled England during the reign of Mary Tudor. So he was one of the guys who went to Geneva. Sure, you know, and and that's where the that's where the English Protestants
0: went. Well, now he's got quite a ring. now. that, went that would Geneva. make sense. Yeah. He's got so he a well put to together. go back to. He's, using,
3: in, he's using double agents. Yep. He's got paid agents that he's trained. You know, he's got his version of James Bond running around, guys that he's trained, and he's given them, you know, Aston Martin DB5s and, and Walter PPKs and they're driving all over England spying for him and, and all over the continent, too. He's got guys in France. He's got guys in Spain. He has built a network of spies that was really unmatched in the ancient world, or in the early modern world. It, it's mm-hmm. phenomenal. This guy, this guy, there's a, there's a, uh, was it, uh, the queen's agent is a biography of this guy Okay, uh, and written by a guy named Cooper. Great book. Great book. Just goes into to everything that, that, that he accomplished as Elizabeth
2: spy match. Well, after Elizabeth had been queen for about 10 years, she still hasn't married. There's no children. There's no heir. And there's a growing discontent among the Roman Catholic nobility of England because they've lost their power because all of Elizabeth's advisors are Protestants and these are the guys who were the kingmakers
3: these mm-hmm. are the, the these are the top nobility of England for hundreds of years and now they're kind of having to take a back seat to most of most of Elizabeth's advisors were were not truly nobles she knighted a lot of them you know, so she gave them a title of nobility, but they were mostly commoners. Now they were from
2: well-educated families, but they're mostly commoners. So they're not happy. So in 1569, which is, let's see, when when did Mary
3: come to the throne, or when did Elizabeth come to the throne? Elizabeth came to the throne in 1558. This is 11 years after she was been on the throne.
2: We have a plot called the Revolt of the Northern Earls. Okay. And this involves um two Earls and a Duke, mainly, of Northern England. And they are Thomas Percy, who is the Earl of Northumberland. He's Roman Catholic. Charles Neville, who is Earl of Westmoreland, Also a Roman Catholic, Um, and Thomas Howard, who's Duke of Norfolk. Now he is publicly a Protestant, but he's secretly a Roman Catholic. And
3: so they have this plot to return. Every one of these plots, there's there were four main
2: plots against Elizabeth, and they they're all the same plot basically. They want to get rid of Elizabeth and return England to Roman Catholicism. Who's the heir at this time? At I mean, this still time, Mary. The heir is Mary, Queen of Scots, right? Mm-hmm. So here's the plot. The plan is that the Duke of Norfolk, which is uh, How- Thomas Howard, is going to marry Mary, Queen of Scots. Okay. Spain is going to give military aid to overthrow Elizabeth, and they're going to put Thomas and Mary on the throne as king and queen of England and return England to Roman Catholicism. But Robert Dudley, who's one of Elizabeth's advisors, one of these two or three guys around Elizabeth, learns about the plot. And so Elizabeth moves Mary Queen of Scots to a more secure location.
3: Now she's not in prison. Okay. She's basically a quote unquote guest of friends of Elizabeth, <laughs> you know?
0: Okay.
3: Cause it, it's, it's one of those
0: things that a uh, Royal know, witness protection program,
3: kind of, Yeah, kinda, you know, it's, it's more like, you know, you're going to go stay with my friends. You just can't leave, but she's, <laughs> okay. but she's not locked up. She's in, you know, she's, spending her time doing royal things she's you know going hunting and going falconing and everything but it's like you know you're gonna live with these people and you can't leave <laughs> so she she's basically living with friends of elizabeth right well mary gets moved to a different friend of elizabeth in a more secure castle um the rebels capture
2: the city of durham and they celebrate the Roman Catholic Mass in Durham Cathedral. Okay. Yeah. And their 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 plans were to march on York, and take York, and then march on to London. Well, the trouble was, they were expecting a huge uprising. To join them.
3: You know, because nobody's happy, right? And everybody else is like, "Yeah, we're fine. What's wrong with you?" you know? <laughs> But they're convinced that, that you know, half the nobles or more are truly Roman Catholic. There's going to be a mass uprising against Elizabeth. We just got to get it started kind of thing. Well, nobody else rises up with them. And then the Spanish army never shows up. And <laughs> Spain had, had offered help. Now, the interesting thing about Spain, remember, the king of Spain is Philip II. Philip II had been married to Mary Tudor.
2: After Mary died, Philip proposed to Elizabeth. Oh. To, you know, because the political match. Yeah. You know, and I think he liked being king of England. And Elizabeth turned him down. Uh, Elizabeth
3: would never marry, by the way. And and I think the primary reason that she would never marry is that it would have been expected, had she married, that she would give her political
2: authority to her husband. But she didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. So she wasn't going to get married and give up her power, basically. Sure. But Philip had, you know, he had been King of England. He was Roman Catholic. He was staunchly Roman Catholic. So the
3: the Pope had been involved in this. The Pope had given his blessing to this overthrow.
2: And in fact, the Pope was assured that this could not fail. And so before he even got news of whether or not it was failed or had succeeded, he excommunicates Elizabeth. All
3: part of the same plot, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I said the rebels captured Durham, but they gave up their plans to march on York when none of their support showed up. Mm-hmm. So they end up with with like 6,000 men facing Queen Elizabeth's nobles with 30,000 men. I was like, this is not going to work. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Northumberland is captured and beheaded.
2: Westmoreland flees to the continent and he dies in poverty. And then Norfolk, who is the guy who was supposed to marry, marry Queen there of you. Scots and become
3: king, he's captured. He confesses everything,
2: promises to never do it again, and Elizabeth pardons and releases him. Okay. Now,
0: uh, my notes here say there are, Plots, plural oh yeah this is just the first is this, one is this uh pardon gonna come back to haunt it is actually and the <laughs> yeah
3: it, it, it very much is matter of fact just a couple of years later okay so
2: now uh, elizabeth also has 700 roman catholics who were involved hung okay now a lot of people Often point to that
3: and say, well, everybody calls Mary Bloody Mary. She killed 300 Protestants. But here, Elizabeth had 700 Catholics executed and nobody calls her Bloody Liz. Well,
4: here, well
0: here's the uh, thing. Yeah, there's a big difference. There's a
3: big difference. These are people that had actually committed treason. Yeah. They had revolted against, you know, she wasn't Catholicism just Catholicism wasn't
0: directly the reason why they were right their
3: catholicism was the reason why they revolted but they weren't killed because they were catholic they were killed because they revolted
0: because of the revolution. yeah
2: the peasants are revolting um so you know and the pope excommunicates elizabeth
3: you know the, the the papal bull doesn't reach england until after it's all over but By excommunicating Elizabeth, what the Pope is saying is all you good Catholics are now free to overthrow her because she's not legitimate. She's a, you know, she's a Protestant. She's been excommunicated. She's not a Christian.
2: She's not a rightful monarch. All you Roman Catholics are free to overthrow her. So. And and because of this,
3: Elizabeth begins to crack down on Roman Catholicism. She's now starting to look suspiciously at the
2: Roman Catholics in England, and she's now learned that for for sure that she can't trust Mary Queen of Scots.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, that was in 1558 or
2: 1569. And 1571, we have the Rodolphi plot. This is the second plot against Elizabeth. Now, three years later,
3: three years later. Now the guy, Rodolfi is an Italian banker and he's a
2: spy for the Pope. He bankrolls a plot to kill Elizabeth. Mary, Mary, Queen of Scots,
0: <laughs> same plot
2: to Duke Norfolk,
3: same guy
0: yeah.
3: whom, who Elizabeth had just pardoned and put them on the throne instead of Elizabeth. Now the plot is discovered because Elizabeth has the best spy master in the world. He's got his fingers in all these pies. He knows what's happening before they know, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so the, the plot is discovered.
2: Rodolfi flees England, the, this Italian banker dude who works for the Pope, he flees England. This time Elizabeth has the Duke of Norfolk beheaded. He's done with him he's had his chance Spain's ambassador is expelled because Spain had offered money you know because you your three big your three big uh,
3: three big uh, Roman Catholic powers are involved in this you have an Italian banker you have the king of Spain As I said, I don't think the French were involved here. Yeah, the French were not involved
2: in this plot, (laughs) right? So, but again, it was done with the the Pope's approval. And uh, so after this happens, Elizabeth has new laws passed,
3: now making it a crime to shelter Roman Catholic
2: priests and a crime to convert people to Roman Catholicism. So, this was the Rodolphi plot. Now again, nothing happened. The plot was basically
3: headed before you know they didn't try to kill the queen. They wanted to kill the queen, but they were all captured before they actually did it
4: mm-hmm.
3: and and it was it they were what was used to convict them was communications between them because Elizabeth's spymaster had gotten a hold of all the letters and or at least enough of
2: them, you know. Well, then, in 1583, so this is ten years later. Okay, yeah. now twelve years later, you have the Throckmorton Plot. And this one involves the Duke of yeah. Duke of Guise. No, G-U-I-S-E. He's French.
0: Yeah. He's
3: related to Mary Queen of Scots. Okay, yeah. he's like, want to
0: make queen again, right? He's
3: one of her uncles, right? So, this plot was he was to invade England with Spanish troops. Okay. French guy with Spanish. French guy, Spanish troops, invade England, kill Elizabeth, put Mary, Queen of Scots on the throne. And then marry that other guy? No, because the other guy's dead now. Okay. The other guy was executed in 1571. No, this one, this Duke of. Geese from France is going to marry. Oh yeah, no, he's going to
0: marry her, okay?
3: yeah he is a, he has an uncle by marriage. He's not a blood relation. Okay. His, his uh Mary's mom. So creepy but not
0: like yeah super creepy.
3: He's creepy but not super creepy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um he's either a dozen a, a cousin or an uncle by okay. by marriage because okay. remember Mary Queen of Scots mother was Mary of Geese. Okay. So she's married into this family or she came from this family and married the King of Scotland who was Mary Queen of Scott's father. And I haven't reviewed back that far to really put that <laughs> relationship together. But she's he's gonna marry Mary. This this Duke of Geese guy is gonna marry Mary and become king
2: of England. Return It sounds in. to me like at this point,
0: Elizabeth needs to just be done with Mary.
2: Well, she's not gonna be done
3: with Mary yet.
0: <laughs> well, but it sounds yeah. like she should have but figured out. She that should, Mary have, yeah. Is-
3: <laughs> so anyway, the there was an English Roman Catholic named Francis Throckmorton. He was a courier carrying Mary, messages between Mary Queen of Scots, this guy in France, this Duke of Guise, and um, the Spanish ambassador. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's named after him. He was the guy that kind of the the elizabeth spymaster used to connect
2: these people into the plot well oh. throckmorton and and that's the whole thing that elizabeth spymaster
3: walsingham had had throckmorton under surveillance the entire time so they were reading the mail
4: okay yeah.
3: well throckmorton is arrested tortured to get all the information out of
2: him And interestingly, Walsingham did not use torture often. He did not want to be a reputation of the bad guy.
3: And Mm -hmm. he only used torture when he already had the information. He could already prove that Throckmorton was involved in the plot. So the torture was was not to get a confession out of him. The torture was to get the rest of the information out of him so that they could
2: round up other plotters. Throckmorton is then... Executed, and, and that was by hung, drawn,
3: and quartered. Okay. Which yeah, you know, if you ever watch Braveheart, that's what they do to William Wallace at the end of that movie: hung, mm-hmm. drawn, and quartered. Which would be they would they would hang you until you pass out, then they would let you down, then they would cut open your guts and pull your intestines out. That's the drawing part, they would draw out your intestines while you're alive and conscious. Then they yeah. would cut off your head. And then they would cut your body into four parts. That's the quartering. And mm-hmm. the the four parts of your body were then sent to the four corners of England as a warning, this is what happens to traitors. Okay. That was the whole
2: thing behind hung, drawn, and quartered. And in fact, being drawn and quartered was why
3: the U.S. Constitution outlaws cruel and unusual punishment. That's cruel and unusual punishment, mm-hmm. you know, is the, the torturing someone to death as sure. opposed to, you know, if basically, you know, yeah, there are things that people should be executed for. Just kill them. Don't yeah. torture them to death. And so that was, you know, that's what happened to Throckmorton. He was arrested, tortured, and executed. He was the only plotter who was executed. Others either fled England or were imprisoned. But he's the only guy killed. And remember, this is another plot where nothing actually happened.
2: They uncovered the plot and did away with the plotters, but nothing ever happened. But at this point, after
3: this happens, the the law that had made it illegal to shelter a Roman Catholic priest, that used to be punishable by a fine. If you were caught sheltering a Roman Catholic priest, you were fined. And a lot of nobles just kept their priest on their estate and they paid the fine. Okay. You know, he's our priest. He does mass for us here at the house. We pay the fine for sheltering him. Well, at this point that law has changed and it now sheltering a Roman Catholic priest is a capital crime. Okay. Put to death for it because there were quite a few Jesuit priests
2: involved in the plot. Sure. You know, and, and, because again, this was done with the Pope's approval. Mm-hmm. All right.
3: Well, that brings us to 1586, and the Babington Plot. <laughs> this is number four. This is no? number
2: four.
3: Okay. The Babington Plot in 1586 is virtually identical to the Throckmorton Plot of five years before. Okay. The only difference is that we now have a guy named Babington who's the
2: courier instead of a guy named Throckmorton, and this is the final straw for Mary, Queen of Scots, mainly because in the Throckmorton
3: plot they had evidence of communication given to Mary,
2: you know that we're going to do this, but they didn't have communication from Mary to the plotters.
4: Okay.
3: In this one, they do. In this one, they have, you know, basically Mary saying, yeah, do it, I'm in. <laughs> okay. All right. So this is the end of the line for Mary. But the plotting is to kill Queen Elizabeth, put Mary, Queen of Scots on the throne of England and restore England to
2: Roman Catholicism. Same plot every time. All mm-hmm. right. Well, and, and at this point, Mary, Queen of Scots, is executed. That's, she has her head cut off. So that is the end of Mary, Queen of Scots. So now the Queen of England has executed the mother of the King of Scotland, who is her heir, because with Mary's death, James VI of Scotland becomes Queen Elizabeth's heir okay now (laughs) we're right i see where you're going So that's 18 or 1586
3: then in 1588 just two years later you have
2: the spanish armada finally spain is going to take direct action to invade england overthrow elizabeth and put philip ii on the throne his claim to the throne being he had been married to Mary Tudor. Uh-huh. He had
3: been King of England. And the Pope says he should be King of England again. You know, the Pope says. And the Pope says. so. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and among Roman Catholics, the Pope said had quite a bit of, yep. and, and the, po- the papacy had been kingmakers for generations in Europe. And it wasn't until the Protestant Reformation that they had any nations thumbing their noses at him. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So there was a, a you know, this
2: this this is again a Roman Catholic plot with the Pope's approval to take out Elizabeth and put a Roman Catholic on the throne of England. this time
3: it is the first one that's not Mary first time it's not Mary because Mary's dead it's Mary's dead, and it can't be James of Scotland because James of Scotland is a Protestant. So, that you know, it's it's a very convoluted thing. But now we're finally going to
2: invade England, kill Elizabeth. All right. Well, the the the, it didn't work out. The Spanish Armada. They were going to sail from Spain to the Netherlands,
3: which was a Spanish there. Spanish yeah, were... territory, it's all the Holy Roman Empire was, was Spain, uh-huh. you know? So that's, that's basically all of Europe except France <laughs> was, you know, and, and Southern Europe, you know, everything, you know, Norway and Sweden and everything, you know, Scandinavia was a different animal,
2: but sure. you know, Germany, Austria, all of that was Holy Roman Empire, which is the same
3: family as the Spanish royalty so it's all tied in together so they're they're going to sail to the netherlands
2: and load up troops and ferry them across the english channel and invade england well on the way
3: there are three battles that are that are all within like 5 days of each other
2: in 1588 okay. the the first battle sir francis drake who is Elizabeth's Admiral, he engages the Spanish briefly as they enter the English Channel on the south end.
3: And there's a, a virtually no effect on either side. The, the English do capture a Spanish ship. Um, huh? We're hitting an hour. <laughs> I don't yeah, I don't no, think we're, I don't good, think we're gonna get to James. <laughs> 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 we'll 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 save James for next time. But uh the, the they hit him the first time and they, they do end up capturing a couple of Spanish ships. The English do. The English ships are newer, they're smaller, they're faster, and they're better armed. The Spanish ships I, I, can carry a lot of troops but they don't have any troops on board yet they're going to the netherlands to pick
2: up troops Mm -hmm. they're they have bigger cannon but fewer of them their cannon are slower firing the the
3: english have wheels on their gun trucks so that they are able to roll them in and out and reload them quicker where the spanish just slide these blocks of wood on the deck So. You know, there's there's a technological advantage to the English. They have better ships. They have better cannons. Their cannons are not as heavy, but their ships are smaller, and they're faster mm. and more maneuverable. So they're basically able to sail rings around the Spanish. And so they do end up capturing a, a, a Spanish ship, or two, a couple of Spanish ships. But then, then they break off, right? Then a couple of days later there's another engagement. And in this one there there's a much closer engagement. The the Spanish have now or the French have the English and get all my players right here. I need a player. <laughs> the English have realized their advantages. The first encounter, they said, Oh, hey, we're faster. We can shoot faster. You know, we're more maneuverable. We 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 have an edge. So they came in the second time on them. And this time, they took advantage of their their maneuverability and everything. They did some damage to the Spanish fleet. I think they sunk two ships, but they damaged a lot more. Their cannon were lighter, so they couldn't do as much damage as far as sinking the ships. But they were able to knock down rigging en masse and masts, and you know, make it you know so that the ships needed help. Mm-hmm. Well, that that encounter ends the Spanish fleet sails to where they are supposed to meet the army from the netherlands they've had no communication between the commander of the army and the commander of the navy okay they don't know when they're supposed to be there or where there's no radios there's none of that but they they didn't have any message
2: traffic going back and forth at all so the the spanish fleet gets there before the army does And they have to wait. So they're at anchor now. They're immobile. There's no deep water port. So they couldn't sail into port and tie up to the dock. They're anchored offshore. They're waiting for the Army to come out in boats. The Army doesn't know the Navy's waiting for them yet. There's been no communication. (laughs) So that isn't working well. Meanwhile,
3: they're in British waters. They're in the English Channel. The British fleet has been fighting these engagements and then going back to port, rearming, resupplying. The Spanish ships are running low on ammunition. You know, they're many days from Spain. They fought mm-hmm. two battles already. They've used up a lot of their ammunition to very little effect because they couldn't hit the smaller, faster British ships. Yeah. And... uh You know, if they'd hit one, it had done some damage, but they were having trouble hitting them. And so, you know, they're low on ammunition. Their food supplies are going bad. because Their their food in the barrels is starting to rot, and their guys are getting hungry. And meanwhile, the British are well-fed because they're able to go home at night. You know, they're fighting right on their doorstep. So now the, the Spanish fleet is at anchor,
2: and what the British did was they used fire ships. They had multiple old ships that they filled with fuel and they just
3: set them loose up, upwind of the Spanish fleet so that they sailed right into the Spanish fleet, all these burning ships. Well, they didn't set a lot of Spanish ships on fire, but they caused the spanish just scatter and they had no way of regrouping because there's no Mm -hmm. radio there's 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 no searchlights there's no way to communicate between ships especially once they're outside of visual range you know a couple of miles
2: you can't see the other ship you can't communicate they're over the horizon so they scattered the spanish ship
3: now the spanish ships that were still in the english channel found themselves to be
2: easy pickings for the english navy so most of the spanish ships sailed north
3: around scotland and around ireland and all the way back to spain because they couldn't go back through the english channel because Mm -hmm. they were scattered so it wasn't even a fleet at this point It's a collection of disjointed ships, all trying to make their way back
2: to Spain. Philip II's fleet, one out of every three ships, made it back. He lost two-thirds of his navy. Wow. This not only ended the Spanish threat to England, this ended Spain as a world power completely. Yeah. Spain had been a huge world power. They have
3: lost. This is the rise of Britannia rules the waves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, now this This is you said 1586. 1588. 1588. Yeah. Okay. So so the sinking of the Spanish Armada and now most of the ships that were sunk were sunk by the weather because they hit bad weather as they sailed around Scotland and back down on the the west coast of of Ireland. They hit mm-hmm. bad weather and a lot of the ships were sunk in the bad weather. They weren't sunk by the English. The English only sunk a few ships, but the English right. man the English managed to scatter them to defeat
2: the plot and everything, and this ended the Spanish threat to England. So that's yeah. yeah. So then, kids. Um Elizabeth dies in 1603
3: at the age of 69. She reigned 44 years and 127 days. It's still okay. one of the longest reigns. She's like number 6, I think. And of course, Elizabeth II is nowhere near the the current No, nowhere Elizabeth. near the current, but the current has modern medical technology.
0: Yeah, you know. Um yeah, when did she come out? It was her 1950s.
3: Yeah, she she
0: was right after World War II. Yeah, I uh, I just saw it recently, and yeah, this is right, her my this is her jubilee year. Okay, she's coming up on seventy. Yeah, so yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, so which is I mean she's in her 90s. Then. Yeah, fifty two. Yeah. Well, my parents were born in '54. It's gonna be a sad day when
3: Elizabeth, and I know we're getting close. She's in her 90s. Yeah. it's gonna be a sad day
0: she's been queen yeah. of england my entire life well i think the uh writing was on the wall when philip died that her time is yeah not that yeah. far behind yeah
3: yeah and it's but yeah. boy i sure you know a lot of a lot of time memories mm-hmm. of queen elizabeth and, and uh,
0: she's an interesting interesting person yeah um I was gonna ask you, as long as we're yeah. still on Elizabeth, if you've heard of this. Now, I don't know this in detail at all. The story I heard is kind of a—I don't want to say conspiracy theory. It's kind of more of a legend, kind of an alternative, okay, uh, alternative narrative to the history that we've been taught, kind of thing. Um, about it, it's—it's—I thought it was fascinating. Now, like like I said, it's been a while, and I don't—I I didn't hear a ton of details, let alone remember details. I'm interested but. to hear what you. <laughs> So she she died unmarried, no right. heirs, correct? Right. This there's a legend that she did bear a child. There has been a story that because she,
3: um, she was sick for a while, and so there was a rumor that she had had an affair with one of her advisors, and had mm-hmm. gotten pregnant, and then when the, the child was either stillborn or the child was spirited away. France.
0: Yeah, my story is yeah. kind of a little bit more on the spirited away yeah. side.
3: Because the the French actually tried to bring forward someone who mm-hmm. said, you know,
0: I'm the son of Queen Elizabeth and Well, the story <laughs> I had heard that I thought was really fascinating was that she that that child may have been actually sir francis bacon no <laughs> and that but then it gets really yeah. wild it gets really wild because the because the theory goes on to say that francis bacon is the real, <laughs> real person who wrote william, shakespeare's well william, yeah. william shakespeare <laughs> yeah and, and the really the interesting part about the story is that a lot of times fiction is written with a political bent yeah. in in a time and place where uh, speech isn't quite free yeah when speech isn't free fiction tends to tell the stories that those want to tell that they can't yeah, I think, otherwise i
3: think francis bacon would be
0: too old okay i've
3: been elizabeth's child i'd have to look at the birth dates um and i think that the the general consensus is that shakespeare wrote shakespeare
0: you know yeah, for the most well, that's part. yeah, that's the so, that's the mainline story, and so, that's why I thought it was kind of yeah, an interesting alternative a... <laughs> history story that suggested that he might have written. And because there's a lot yeah. of uh like intrigue in Shakespeare, and yeah. and there are things that are kind of wo- woven through his stories. Well, Shakespeare that... Shakespeare was Elizabeth's favorite playwright. Now she would never go to the theater,
3: but Shakespeare mm. and his company performed at the palace for Elizabeth on more than one occasion. And indeed, she liked the theater so much that she actually
2: funded her own acting group sure. that would perform at the palace. So, if yeah, she liked Shakespeare, and
0: and generally, it's believed that. But well, what if the, what if that is <laughs> that she knew that he was acting? Yeah, that the plays were actually written yeah by her son. Shakespeare- yeah, her secret by her son. illegitimate son.
3: Yeah, no, I I, I don't think. I don't think the evidence is there, you know? Yeah. Well, I, agree. I mean, you could speculate that, you know, she was actually an alien. I'm from, not, I'm not yeah. presenting this as <laughs> no, I like, know, just I believe it's true.
0: It's more of a, yeah. it, there's a mythology there that was kind of interesting. Yeah.
3: I, I, that's not one I've actually heard. I, there, okay. there was, there was a, a.
0: Does the myth tellers say yeah. that the real Shakespeare was kind of a not a very intelligent guy yeah. kind of a loser and and he was more of the um and that this bacon would have been like his ghost right yeah now. Well, i i but uh yeah i've i've the the
3: i don't buy into that
0: and, <laughs> an, and a jolted guy yeah. who who, yeah. who believed that he was the rightful heir to the throne yeah. but could never be because i went out his mother for yeah. well one thing we do know for sure
3: is that
2: um henry the eighth had a son he had a bastard son who was almost as old as mary okay he was born
3: between mary and elizabeth the result of an affair he acknowledged him um his name was henry fitzroy fitzroy was yeah. a name given to a bastard of the king fitzroyal uh they a, a, this was a, a name given to a royal bastard everybody knew he was henry's kid he was raised in the palace. He was a favorite of Henry's. Henry knighted him. He may have even given him mm-hmm. a earldom.
2: You know, he was, he was, he was well-liked by Henry, but he was illegitimate. And there was no way to
3: legitimize him. There was no law that they could use to
2: make him legitimate okay. um, because he would always be a bastard. And so, therefore, he could not inherit. So, um,
3: you know, we know that Henry had a son. Um, We know who he is. We know his history. He wasn't hidden at all. But because he was illegitimate, he couldn't have inherited. If Mary or if if Elizabeth had had a bastard child, there's no way he could have inherited. And indeed, Mm -hmm. one of the arguments that the Roman Catholics kept putting forth for getting rid of Mary, or getting rid of Elizabeth in favor of
2: Mary, was the fact that the Pope did not approve Henry's divorce from Catherine. Therefore, mm-hmm. Henry's
3: marriage to Anne Boleyn was not legitimate. Therefore, Elizabeth was not legitimate and could not inherit the crown legally. That was one of their arguments for why she should be deposed. Because she was illegitimate, and under Catholic law she was but then
0: how do they explain theologically that their yeah. four plots against her all failed? yeah <laughs> you know well, if they're the legitimate uh yeah, but you got to remember that they're not calvinists
3: <laughs> <laughs> right, they don't necessarily believe in an absolutely sovereign god
4: <laughs> sure um
3: yeah i i I don't know because they kept losing and they kept losing bad, and like I said, mm-hmm. in every one of these plots against her
2: other than the spanish armada i mean the spanish armada actually you know um you know that that was actual you know,
3: warships and a battle but mm-hmm. other than that first plot the the rise of the
2: northern earls there wasn't any action all of the plots were uncovered by her spy master
3: and were headed off before they actually did anything you know they never mm-hmm. actually tried to kill elizabeth they never tried to break mary queen of scots out of
2: prison you know none of it ever materialized it all got headed off beforehand yeah. but uh um and that was just because she had the greatest spy master in the world and yeah
0: so it it's hard I'm going to check out this book and and I've already got a pile of books on the shelf that uh, <laughs> might never yeah. get read, but I'm gonna at least check this out yeah that's a that's a good the Queens one means agent means
3: huh? agent it's by a guy named Cooper let me
2: uh excuse me let me see if I can find out who that is hey, I got a text from you um got a text from me no there was the message
0: with the with the oh, link the, the, yeah the um Twitter. yeah
3: I, I looked at it on my computer was how i got the link okay it was on my phone as well
0: twitter yeah
2: DM. all right yeah. it is john cooper john cooper the queen's there.
0: agent by john cooper and uh, I, cool. I don't have any any uh, well you know we were talking beforehand about um future episodes and we only got through half of your list tonight. i know yeah and but i want to I talk so i want to go back yeah that's the i i I did cross my (laughs) mind yeah you talked slower um we talked about uh we were kind of talking hypothetically wouldn't it be funny um to make the next one a november episode? we can do that thinking and and so but now that given given where we're at it might actually make sense because i was thinking uh uh, a different train of thought and we were going to be like november of 2023 yeah long past where we're at but um but the next one might be might have a little bit of a tie to november at least on one yeah because it's it's very
3: much the uh um james becomes james the first of england in 1567 the gunpowder plot is 1605
2: or actually he becomes king of of england in in 1603 and the gun platter oh, okay. plot is 1605. So
3: it's okay. like the first thing we hit November would be a good time to discuss the gun platter plot.
0: All right. Well, we'll, uh-huh. uh, I'll put you on the schedule and, and uh, that makes it yeah. easy for me. I don't have to come up with a topic yeah. and a guest. So we'll, We will, we will I'll st- be back in November. We we'll starting the 17th. You know century. what that means? You know what that means? Gene? Every six months you could be. No, no. I was thinking, cause I always do, uh, Andrew and Fred in December, in December. And we talk about the year's episodes. You can be two of I could be Andrew's two of them. favorite yeah. episodes. I'll, I'll start sending my money to Fred and, <laughs> and
3: uh, Fred and Andrew. Yeah. yeah, Along with pictures of my yeah. hamster, prove prove to Andrew there really is a hamster. That was so funny. <laughs> I mean there's really a hamster. <laughs> he just thought it was a joke. He thought it was funny, you know? but he thought it was a joke. So, yeah, we have reached cool. the beginning of the 17th century. And the 17th century, you want to talk about a panorama
2: of history of England.
0: That'll be fun.
2: It starts with the end of Elizabeth the I's reign.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Then you have James, his son, Charles I. You have the English Civil War. You have the restoration of the monarchy and charles the second and uh, the civil war is when you have all the
3: witch trials. that's the the 1640s 1650s is when your big witch trials start and well, don't give away the <laughs> don't, don't give away the whole plot for november everybody has wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, interesting century. It starts with Elizabeth on the throne and it ends with the Salem witchcraft. That's the
2: seventeenth century. The sixteen mm-hmm. hundreds are a very, very busy time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I know we got into
3: Well, a, thanks so much, Gene. We got into a lot of politics and stuff. I was trying to keep it more on the we you know, we're talking about the history of the Reformation and the history of yeah. Protestantism, but you can't keep the politics out of it because every one of these plots against elizabeth was make england catholic again
4: Mm -hmm. you know
3: that's very much counter-reformation very much counter-reformation stuff the violent violent violently counter-reformational
4: yeah yeah yeah
0: well well thanks and i'll i'll uh be in touch i'll We'll record sometime in October. No, when I know ahead of time. Yeah, yeah we, we can get on together the in of the month. and and have it I post, have it, it ready. For... The reason why this one's late is because I didn't come to you until uh, last yeah, week. I didn't and, think I hear, heard, heard from you in like, the end of la- middle of last week sometime. It was last week. So so the, we're in we're in the May episode and it's a late episode because of that, but uh knowing that it'll what we're going to do and when, November 1st, we'll have part part 3 of the that'll be English fun. Reformation. Well,
3: at least hopefully we'll get past James <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and and quite honestly there's not a lot i want to talk about with james so mm-hmm. we should be able to, to you know if we went another half hour we could get through <laughs> all of my notes tonight so
0: <laughs> uh, well i told you the floor was yours yeah. and, and i uh but that's fine i did i tried like to i tried to, stuff, I tried I to talk slower <laughs>
3: <laughs> this is uh, fun yeah. i enjoy this yeah. I, I cool. you can tell this is a topic that i'm fascinated by
0: yeah. And I am too. And, and I'm quiet. And that's one of the things I like about it too, is I get to just be quiet and let you talk. So, I love history. Yeah. Thanks, Gene. You
2: bet. Thank you.
1: Echo Zoe Radio is an outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries. If you are blessed by the show, please consider offering your support. There are many things you can do to help, including prayer, sharing the show with others, and your financial support. Echo Zoe Ministries is a registered nonprofit organization with 501c3 tax-exempt status, and your donations are tax-deductible. For more information about how you can support Echo Zoe Ministries, please visit echozoe.com support.
0: That wraps up episode 169. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. For show notes, visit echozoe.com 169. I dropped the ball this month, and I apologize to Gene that I didn't ask him to talk about his own podcast and ministry. It was kind of a normally a habit, so I don't even know how I missed that one this time around. But as I mentioned in the introduction, Gene does a podcast called Squirrel Chatter, which you can find in both audio and video formats all over the internet. I typically catch the uh, podcast feed, but I believe he also puts video up on Twitter every day. And you can definitely find that at Christian Podcast Community, christianpodcastcommunity.org. Come join the locals uh, page, Equizoi Locals page at com. That's L-O-C-A-L-S.com. You can support the ministry there as well as interact with the community. And you can watch the film Jerusalem's King, which is up at the locals page. Uh, don't forget to use the promo code. Watch it for free. It's behind the paywall, but you can come back there completely free with that promo code at the top of the page. And I definitely look forward to seeing you there. Word dwelling, we'll be back next month with the June episode of Kazoie Radio.